thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you've tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 278 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, October 4th, and made available for download on Tuesday, October 8th, 2019, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Henry. And I'm Tony. And this week's streaming services are brought to you by Henry Net Telewebs, right Jeff? That's right, Tony. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come join us around 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head on over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Jeff? In this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and Everspace 2. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDonough on Galactic Public Radio. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Frontier Developments released their newest dot dot patch, which fixes a number of issues from the September update and released a statement from the management that may also need a patch. CI also had things to say on the internet, things that should have been filed with Her Majesty's company's house last week. Also, 3.7 is now on the PTU, and some questions got answered about quantum things and probably will have some opinions about that. And Everspace 2 officially kickstarted its Kickstarter, and it's off to a punting beginning. So... Yeah, I, I couldn't say off to a kicking start because that just would have been totally redundant there. A third one, I can't. You can't. What? What? You you can't pun a pun? No, I, I can't. I can't. You know, I, I, they kickstarted their Kickstarter and then it was, it's off to a kicking start. I don't. I don't think I could pull that off. I don't think I could do that. So I didn't. You don't want to kick I, the I, I out of that one word. No, no, no. You want to. You don't want to beat the dead horse. I feel. I feel that that role is given to other people on this podcast. Dead horse beating. I feel like. I feel like I've handed that off. I used kicking, to do that, but kicking I, the deceased equestrian. Yes, yes. I, I believe. I believe I've handed that role off to to other valuable members of our team here. Uh, but in any event, Everspace Two started its Kickstarter off uh, with the uh, goal of. <clears throat> I want to make sure I get this right. Four hundred ninety-four thousand and two dollars. Four hundred ninety-four thousand and two dollars. Uh, that being the conversion rate of 450,000 euros uh, at the moment. So uh, they have, they are about 20% of the way through that at this moment. Uh, with 30 days to go, they just started it today, I think, uh, as we record. So um, 1,300 and 1,300. Oh, as, just as I did that. Oh, okay. So what just happened is I clicked on the website. It went uh, from 1,336 backers to 1337 backers hitting the the you know, the leet you know the leet number l e e l e e t uh, and then it went right back down to 1336 so somebody backed out so it 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 went to it went from leet to not leet 
on, in a blink of an eye just right just right now. Uh, but uh, so the uh, it appears to be kind of the same game. That's uh, what it uh, looks like. Um, they're promising you 20-hour campaign. It's a release on PC and eventually console. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, more lasers, more shooting, uh, more death. More VR uh, support? Uh, they don't say VR support. Not At least not right up front. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, the, uh, HOTUS support from the get-go. So, you know, that we, we there was there were some does it space sim questions last time, but if they're going to put HOTUS support uh, out of the box, then I think, um, you know, I think you give them that. So, uh, but yeah, it uh, it seems like uh, like uh, you know uh, people are, are taking to it again, more of the same. Um, it's not one of those day one immediate successes, uh, but they are selling a few of their top end uh, packages in the several hundred euro uh, range or more. They had something called the Big Boss, Space Architect, Outlaw Boss, Mission Control. Uh, they had one Big Boss for 8,500 euros, and that's gone. Uh, so their top their top thing uh, was taken. You can still pledge 7,500 euros if you like for Mission Control, which is the next tier down. So uh, if you're a big spender and you liked Everspace and you want to see Everspace 2 in 2020, they are... Uh, advertising a looks like a September 2020 uh, planned delivery date, so you know usual uh, caveats there. Probably Christmas 2020 is a more likely scenario. But uh, anyway, so uh, if you're a fan of the original, go back for this one. You can get a package for 30 euros that'll include the game, uh, just the game, please. Those are limited to 5,000. There's 4,800 of those left. Uh, otherwise, you're stuck paying 40 euros for uh, the game and a couple of extras. So there you go. Well, next up on our list of things to do tonight is uh, an update to Star Citizen. They were supposed to file with Her Majesty's Royal Company Tracker of Housing Thingies, whatever they call it over there, uh, annual reports and uh, that they have put off, rejiggered their accounting schedules and other things based on the probably uh, the stock purchase last year that probably required them to do jugglings and whatnot. Anyway, they have not had a regular filing date ever. Um, and so this year, they were supposed to file stuff September 30th. And uh, according to the website right now they have not so far but and usually i'll get an email i've signed up for the alerts that will and will send me an email whenever there's a new filing uh so i didn't get one of those but instead i got a notification uh that the rsi website had a financial update there so i went to go read that and what it was was a promise to deliver additional financials in about 90 days so, you know, we're in familiar territory here now, right? They're supposed to deliver at the end of quarter three. But, hey, we're going to push it back to the end of quarter four. I mean, so this is this is typical. Uh, and But what they did have was a the introductory paragraphs, the introductory disclaimers, whatever you want to call it, that you usually find at the beginning of that report. So I, it looks like the report either exists or it should be existing, but they haven't filed it yet, which is confusing to me. Um, for a number of reasons, because for one thing, you get fined uh, every day that it's late. So they're racking up 150 guinea quids a day in fines to Her Majesty's government. And uh, for the other thing, if it's done, why not turn it in? It just as that. And this introductory statement is usually like the last thing you write because you get the information from the accountant and they put all the stuff together. And then you have like a little executive summary at the beginning. So... I'm a little confused as to what's going on here. So yet again, they are using our backer money to pay these fines that they could very well just, you know, not it, get. This is true. This is true. This is true. But in the grand scheme of things, Jeff, all they'd have to do is sell a few more fighters and that would be taken care of. You know, 150 euros a day. But, but know, that's, that's not what, the point because, again, like they're hornets, using the, back, the backer money to... to I, oh, they're using yeah. the investor money at this point. <laughs> That's also probably true. Speaking of, 
but before we move past that, I, I wanted to ask you, like, they're, they're yeah. getting fined. They're in trouble for not filing us on time. Couldn't they just file a new roadmap that explains to these people they'll get their stuff when they get it, and then they won't get fines? Because it's okay just to, just to say I'll do there's, it. You know, there's some differences between our podcast and a national government. There, there are some differences. I mean, what? I could go there through them no, for no, you. No, so you don't, there's no difference. There, there's no differences yeah. there. That we're we're you, just as important as any government. It, it's it's somewhat of a lengthy list of differences. I could begin going through them if you'd want, but this would turn into an awfully long podcast if I went through all so of them. So you don't think they could just su submit a new roadmap to the government that tells them when they'll get paid and then compensate the government by letting them oh, buy oh, oh. something at a discount at a later yeah, date I, when I, the game I, is ready? I, it's not... It's not even getting paid. It's you just have to file the paperwork. Wow. You just have to, I mean, it's just it's just filing the paperwork. It's just it's just file. I mean, maybe there's some payment obligations that go along with it. But remember that the reason that CI has been doing so much development work in the UK is because they get a special tax break in the UK. Right. So they probably owe nothing or next to nothing or have already been paying it through payroll deductions or whatever throughout the course of the year. I would imagine there's probably not a check to be written to the UK government at this point. It's just filing the paperwork. I, I, I suspect. I mean, unless, I mean, and this is where we, we would go to the investor money that we just had some discussion about. We were told in no uncertain terms when they got this investor money that this was for the marketing of Squadron 42. This was an investment that was going to be marketing uh, for, for the purposes of marketing Squadron 42. In this little note, we now learn that, well, it's for additional security and marketing. Additional financial security and marketing. Financial security. Which means, they're not paying guys to stand on either side of Chris Roberts and look tough. No, that's not what that means. Okay. That means that we needed this money because otherwise we were not going to have any. Uh, you know, just just like your your paycheck that you get every week uh, at your job is some financial security for you. Uh, it looks like, as we as we suspected, I mean, as as, as most people that just that discuss this seriously suspected, this was not simply a marketing budget to be used when Squadron Forty Two is released. This was an investment in the game that was going to be tapped for operating funds. It's like There's, the government. Yeah, we're collecting taxes on this roadway. It's for this roadway, but it's going to go in the general fund. I mean, we're just going to yeah. go in the general fund, but it's taxes on the road. <laughs> right, right. It's so Simon Elms uh, is the uh, chief financial officer of the Cloud Imperium Group, uh, and he, along with Aaron Roberts, signed this 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 statement, this paragraph of stuff. Aaron's portion of it says in the second paragraph of the business review, this investment was to provide added security and additional funds to allow it to push the games to fruition and market them to a wider audience. So the pushing the games to fruition is the, the way that they're saying we tapped this money to fund the game's development. So, so I mean, obviously our $236 million is not adequate enough. No, no, it was not adequate. Um, so, yeah, and, and this is, I, I have a 10 UEC bet with a certain individual who is, shall we say, notorious in the Star Citizen community for his negative opinion about the ability of this game to come to publishing. You, you can guess who that person is. But we have a 10 UEC bet. I think that they're going to that they're going to release their financials in the next couple of weeks next week or so that there's just some sort of processing delay that they maybe filed it a couple days late which is why they put this thing on the website so people go it's coming you know so people say hey, it's coming it's coming you know uh, this is about to happen he doesn't think they're going to release these financials until after citizen con because he thinks that there's bad news in it so yeah and that's that's a theory i mean that's an interesting theory um could be uh, but I, I suspect there's going to be some interesting stuff in there, perhaps some details about what the money went for, uh, whether or not they got all of it all at once, which I doubt. I don't think they got all of their investment up front. I bet that there's milestones in it, that there's uh, 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 triggers, which will uh, uh, entitle CIG to additional rounds of funding. Um, I think we might see some personnel shifts because... I haven't seen hide nor hair of Chris Roberts on any of his videos in a, in a while now. 
So what do you think that means for personnel shifts, that he's not doing videos? I had speculated that I thought that there were going to be consequences for pushing the release date back. It's not out of the realm of possibility that one of the potential consequences might have been Aaron takes over. Um, And you'll remember that the same week that they announced the pushback, it was Aaron that was in the pillar talk, not Chris. So, I mean, it's speculation. I'll admit to that. And And I'll get letters. I always do. I'm waiting for your letters, guys, you know, to tell me how wrong I am and how I should stop my doom and gloom and useless speculation. But, I mean, it fits a pattern that goes back all the way to Microsoft in the, in the 2000s. The project gets bogged down, release dates get pushed back, uh, get pushed back. They move Chris out of the day-to-day management role, keep him on as a creative person or whatever, turn the day-to-day publishing responsibilities over to somebody else push the game out it's not chris's vision that as he intended it's not perfect and doesn't have all the you know the bells and whistles that he thought it should be and wasn't his his dream of beyond all dreams but it gets released so it's not out of the realm of possibility that that is something that might have happened and i need to be clear about this too this report that they're going to be um putting out is only through the end of 2018 it's not going to have anything from January 2019 forward. So it's only going to bring us up to date for the first six months of that investment. So that investment happened in May 2018, um, so it's only going to cover the last half of, of 2018. We won't know what's happening this year until approximately this time next year. So we're looking, you know, this is like, this is like looking at a telescope at a star. <laughs> you know, we're, we're seeing the light that left the star a year ago. Mm. Uh, and it's just now coming out to us now. And you think so. that this would look bad for them if they released it now, so they're going to hold it till after CitizenCon, because having a bad report would affect CitizenCon's money intake? It could be. That is not a theory that I have. It is a theory that exists and is promulgated by the aforementioned individual who has an extremely negative attitude about the release of Star Citizen, whose, whose identity you can guess. Uh, but yeah, He may be right to, on this. He could be. I'm not. I, I I bet him ten UEC that he's wrong. I just mostly because I just wanted to bet him ten UEC. That's really that's that the, the the fun part of that is how the hell am I going to pay him or how the hell is he going to pay me? Um, that's the fun part of this of the bet. Uh, you have to use a conversion the, rate of digital or UEC. So what a pixel is worth in real money? Right. There the, actually the would be a conversion pic- rate because they do sell pixels. <laughs> You just got to figure right. out what that conversion rate is. <laughs> I, I just have to go into Microsoft Paint and cut out the right fraction of a ship, <laughs> ship yeah, JPEG yeah. and email it to him. You'll get like eight <laughs> pixels. You'll be like, what the hell is this? It'll be like eight <laughs> yeah. blocks on the screen. So That's you your can 10 use UEC that, that I owed you. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to do That's that. A That's a headlight on a, on, a, uh, uh, on, a on a Hornet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to. That's good. I have to figure out that conversion rate and, and send that to him if I lose. Uh, but the the main the main sort of justification for that speculative uh, uh, position is that in fact they uh, said that the UK company lost eight hundred thousand guinea quids, uh, which is roughly a million simoleons uh, in the prevailing convert uh, conversion rate these days. Um, which is odd because the UK company only has one revenue source. It only has one customer, and that's the U.S. company. <laughs> so, and we've covered this before, but it just means that for whatever reason, the U.S. company is not paying the bills that the UK <laughs> company says. I'm going to buy this for myself, but I'm not paying me for it. What am I, stupid? Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, it probably has to do with that tax subsidy, and there's probably accounting reasons why they're doing it and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, again, it's just accounting shenanigans and all that kind of stuff that's, that's, I'm sure it's all perfectly regular and authorized and whatever, but it's just, it just kind of makes you roll your eyes. Like, come on. This is needlessly complicated. And probably another reason why we don't have a game yet. But um, yeah. So anyway, so that's that's what's going on there. In other in other news, moving off of this uh, topic because I could go on and on about it, uh, and I probably have. Um, uh, in other news, we've got uh, three point seven has moved to the PTU. Uh, 
either you guys get on that. Jeff, you had a chance to get on that yet? No, I I, uh, I had some problems with uh, the. Current- oh, that's right, your SSD. Yeah, we talked about your SSD. Glad that came back from the dead, though. That's good. It's a good thing. Um, uh, but uh, one thing that has come out from the uh, from the leaks is that the Banu Defender is uh, in the PTU now. And it looks like a cross between one of the crabs you like to eat there in Maryland, Henry, and a Cylon Raider. Hmm. It's like if a Cylon Raider from Battlestar Galactica and one of Henry's blue crabs that he likes to eat had a baby. Um, and that's what the, the Banu Defender looks like now. So uh, feel free to check that out. Uh, so because that's 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 how that's going now. Uh, before we move on, that that is a cool looking ship. I'm looking at it now. I can see where you get the comparison to the the blue crab. Those uh, what are those things on the front of that? Useless chunks. Useless chunks. They look cool as hell, though. Like that is neat. Yes, looking. but they're useless chunks. That is neat. They've got to serve some purpose in game. Um, there's got to be some reason for that because they are cool. Well, looking. the reason they have them there is so that it looks like a Cylon Raider when it's in flight. That's why. That's why they're there. You sure they didn't make that for me? <laughs> they may have. They may have. They may have heard what a crab enthusiast you were, Henry, and then they wanted to contribute to the to the bottom line of the seafood restaurants in and around the Baltimore area. It's such Henry's a specific like, targeted thing. <laughs> they, I bet. I bet the Calders have secret investments in the seafood restaurants around Baltimore, and this is their way of juicing the bottom line. Because it'd be man, I'm hungry. Tony, that's crabs. not likely. I think you're reaching. You think I'm reaching on that one? It could be. It could be. That could be a little too speculative there. Um, but they did also put out some stuff about the quantum interdiction. Um, one thing that came out is that other ships will eventually be able to fit quantum drives someday. Uh, it's in the you works. It's in the planning. Interdiction. I'm sorry. Yes. The the, the quantum enforcement. Yes. I apologize. Um, uh, you'll, you'll be able to fit them someday. Um, but the Mantis is, you know, like the good one. It's like it's going to have the better ability to do that. They also say that uh, the currently existing quantum nav points will be your best bet at avoiding a quantum snare, which is exactly the opposite of what we were discussing last week. And I now I completely don't understand. I I just I am now at a complete loss for how this mechanic is going to work. I uh, I, I went through the Q and A too, and I found it to be a bit confusing. Yeah, I, it yeah. I it, if 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 they're not using the straw mechanic, I don't understand how that they how physically, and this game is all about being physical, right? You know, physical physics based collision, physics based rendering. You know, I mean, we're supposed to be in a real simulated universe here. How that's going to all work now, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused with this. They also say they've got a number of features that they want to add to the mechanic, but right now what you see is what you get. Um, so the, it's, it's tier zero. This is the tier zero mechanic. It's the first iteration. They need to do some more work, looks like, but uh, supposedly that will come. Supposedly. Probably, probably about the same time they re- release the financials, or not. I, I I like to believe. Oh my god, we got it on tape. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe maybe that'll take the edge off some of the letters. But you know what? We should move on because Star Citizen is not the only ship with some problems in it these days. Next up, we've, we're going to talk about Elite Dangerous and some. I, I'm going to say I mean, it's a little unusual. Some unusual controversy. Uh, it, it, uh, at a level that I have have not I've rarely seen with this game. It, it happens from time to time, but not 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 often. So uh, for those of you just catching up, they had the usual sort of patch debacle. Um, it, something rolls out, it breaks in a number of expected and unexpected ways. Um, this patch was a little worse than most because arcs. The, the theory goes, and I subscribe to this theory. Arcs touched so much under the engine. They give you arcs for just about every activity in the game, at least a little fraction of it. So it, it touched and concerned just about everything uh, in the game and broke a lot of stuff. Uh, and so it, it, it's been a little more trying uh, than perhaps a, a, t- a typical patch. But it sort of awoken the rage of a number of community uh, groups 
um, some of your some of the some of the usual sp- suspects, the smiling dog crew, uh, the the uh, what do we call them? The um, I believe we call them the butt fedoras, um, and then uh, uh, Yamix. I don't know how many of you are familiar with him, but he's a usual commenter, uh, a pretty regular commenter on Elite Dangerous. But a lot of a lot of relatively prominent community uh, members kind of came together and released a bit of a manifesto, uh, demanding attention to a certain number of uh, uh, issues that are ongoing. Um, put it up on Reddit, uh, got a lot of comments, a lot of attention. It inspired a response from Zach Antonacci, who is, and I want to make sure I get his title correct because it's a, it's a good title. I mean, it's it's a it's a nice title. I think director of publishing, I believe, is what he is. is uh, that's what he calls himself on Reddit, anyway. Uh, uh, director of publishing, so a, a management level figure uh, at Frontier, and uh, he took issue with a couple of the demands uh, or 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 points of contention, one of which was that there's a lack of communication on Frontier's part. He basically kind of went and said, well, there's good reason for that. We burned everybody on the fleet carriers and the ice planets last year. We don't want to try that again. So we're going to be quiet until we're sure that it's there. Um, And then he felt, I guess, particular need to take issue with the way the community managers were portrayed in the... uh, Manifesto, the demand letter, whatever you want to call it, uh, that it's not productive or useful to bang on those guys for not being an effective point of contact. Um, they, you know, they listen to the community, the, they interface with the development team on a regular basis, but just because the community management team says received and understood doesn't mean that it's going to get acted on. And tread lightly with those guys because they're doing the best they can within the scope of their jobs and there's not a whole lot they can do other than say received and acknowledged these 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 comments did not go over well with the community especially when it came down to i think the biggest point of contention was there should be a public test server on all the time and bring back the betas that sounds like a great freaking idea what are they stopping us from seeing the one Thargoid update they make? They're like, oh, we did this update. It's been six months. Here's one new ship. I don't want to spoil yeah. that. Come on, guys. Test your stuff. I, I, I saved that one for last because I think it's pretty obviously the one that most objective objective observers can agree would be a good idea. Because, for example, and we talked about this a little bit last week. They were expecting trouble of this type because they had pet names for the errors. Yeah, I see that. You know, Black Yellow Adder and, and Crimson. Yeah, yeah, Taupe Cobra. I mean, they had they they knew that problems of this type were going to emerge. They just maybe weren't sure in which context or at what point it would break or whatever. So I mean, they were aware that some of these things were going to bubble up. And the strategy was release it into the wild. We'll do it live. I and to some extent they've trained us to the point where I make jokes about their dot dot patches. But on the other hand, it doesn't seem like a great idea when you're trying to clean house in anticipation of a big expansion in 2020, where you're going to hopefully bring in a bunch of new customers, hopefully with the expectation of having a nice stable game for them when they arrive. So. It seems to me that in anticipation of yet another relatively big patch in December, which is the last patch that they promised prior to the new Elite, which means we could be in for a bigger content drought in the first part of 2020. We could be seeing like nothing for a long time in the first part of 2020 in the way of updates because they promised nothing. It would seem to behoove them to get a test server regime in place so that prior to the release of the big update in 2020, there's a good strategy for catching these bugs before you invite the new customers in. Because this group here is a committed, dedicated group. Some pretty, you know, there's a, a large number of pretty prominent community members, elite cheerleaders even. These, I'm sure, I'm sure the group that they had in to test the beyond stuff, and these people overlap quite a bit. So these are people that uh, that Frontier probably knows, right, or has had over to their house for tea, figuratively speaking. Those people ought to be listened to. And 
even however much we rag on Star Citizen, or I do anyway, the test server is a good idea, and the staggered rollout is a good idea. And back in the day, and I think even currently, Star Trek Online puts up the triple test server before major patches that people can just go in and, and, and check out and, and stress test the thing and look for bugs. Not that any of the bugs actually get fixed. <laughs> and we can still have that discussion about how the bugs get reported and then they get released anyway. But at least then you, there's no longer any speculation about how did this get by you. Then it's like... Why did you let it go by you, even if you knew it was there? Then it becomes a question of judgment rather than competence, which I guess can be a subcategory of competence sometimes. But still, it's, you know, at least then we know they have the information and they made a decision to let it go anyway. So that's why I saved that one for last. Uh, that one, I think they need to come out and, and address that more directly. Um, and I think on the community part, that other stuff... You know, the community manager stuff and, and the uh, 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 lack of roadmap and all that kind of thing. There's good reasons why it's set up that way. You don't like them. I get that. I don't like it sometimes either. But there's no use harping on it. Those are management decisions. Those are corporate decisions. Some of them are necessitated by the fact that they're a public company. You got to let those go. I don't know, man. Not, not harping on it's one thing. But to say um, it's okay for them to say, well, you guys... We, we, we set out a bunch of ideas, and then we didn't hit that mark, and you were mad at us. So we're not going to make the mistake of telling you what we're working on again. Wouldn't it be better to try to temper your expectations and not overhype, try to do a better job of marketing, than to say, oh, we're just not going to put out a roadmap at all because we don't hit the mark? Like, it seems like I, a cop-out. It seems like you could do a better job I, of that. No, I get it. You know? I get it. And I, you know, like, like I said, at this point, they promised us nothing between carriers and you know, the new elite experience. So that could be the entirety of 2020 where we get nothing. That could, right now, that's the, that looks, that is the schedule that is uh, staring us in the face right now. And I think that among the community people, there is a good argument that not saying anything is a good way to drive away whatever player base is still around. Now, of course, the flip side of that is, of course, uh, from the frontier side is, well, we're going to get, we're going to get them back at the end of 2020. Well, that's in our plan. And we expect this next year in Elite to be not so good. As a matter of fact, we said so in our previous financial guidance. We expect this to... Last year was awesome. We expect this year to take a bit of a downturn. We expect 2020 to be much better. So they're warning everybody that they expect this this thing to happen. That could be the plan, and that's what they decided is the best way to go. Okay. I mean, it, we can disagree with that, but at the end, it's their game, not ours. Um, you know, they're, they'd be wise to take their customers... Uh, suggestions and feedback on board, but they don't have to. It's their game. So, bottom line, put up a test server, guys. Make that happen. We'll we'll catch the stupid engineering limpet thing for uh, before it gets out to the wild. We'll you'll find out that your arc store is broken. Uh, you'll, all these dumb little things about uh, passenger missions crashing, uh, soft locking, uh, all this dumb stuff will just it, it will be smoother. And the cost of that is maybe some people would have their surprises ruined. Big deal. These are the people that will hype your game anyway. Yeah, but, you know, you 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 guys always say that. Put up a test server. But you don't. You have no idea what, in, uh, what that entails. You know what? It doesn't really matter. I mean, they've got to test it anyway. It makes sense to do that. I don't think that argument really holds water, man. They, they should do that. No, hang on, hang on. Jeff's right. There's expenses in, involved in this. Number well, one, they have only to expenses. Set... There's logistics. There's yeah, there's yeah. there's it's, you know it's an undertaking. It's you're setting up a whole you're setting up a second version of your game, right? Yeah. And there's going to be gigabytes of downloads, so there's bandwidth costs to worry about. And, and then and then there's 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 those those individuals that will you know that that go out and try to grab every bit of information from code that's really probably not supposed to be released to, to public view yet, you know? And, uh, th so you have to have a, you have to have a team that, that, uh, goes through that, what goes on the test server and make sure that, uh, you know, all that's legit. I mean, it, it's an undertaking. It, it's an undertaking. It is. Elite Dangerous, the whole thing about the story leaking early, I think in Elite Dangerous' case, doesn't work at all. Because they have 
a situation set up in Elite where you don't really experience the story yourself. You're at reaching out to YouTube and other places to see what's happening anyway because they don't hold your hand through the content. When somebody finds a crashed ship somewhere and that's a big deal, everybody's not finding that as soon as they log into the new update. You know, that's, that's something some person is finding somewhere. So all those discoveries get made by like a single person and then broadcast through YouTube and things and Twitch anyway. Who cares if it happens a week early? It's not going to affect the people that log in to go and see that afterwards. There's, they're not missing something. They're not going to discover it themselves anyway. They're seeing it a week before it came out, but they're seeing it the same way they would have seen it when it came out. Yeah. It's not spoiling something for someone's in-game narrative because your in-game narrative is watching YouTube anyway. But we're, you're talking about one aspect of that's already in the game. I'm talking about things that are not in the game yet. And, and you want them to put that code out. Uh, uh, Jeff's talking about like that, the, like the arcs tag we saw last week, where the, they they even that who cares? buildings and stuff. Who, yeah, who cares? I mean, I, in 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 what instance does that cause a problem in a game like Elite? You're not spoiling narrative, which is the reason you don't want to release things early. Yeah, who cares if you find out there's going to be a blue icon in the corner? Isn't that the point of testing? I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't I don't get the argument in Elite's case specifically. Because there is really no no story to be spoiled. Yeah, the narrative argument I think falls down. I think I think Jeff's point though about the uh, logistical and I think the even the, and the expense of setting up a test server those are legitimate points. But I think that because of the lack of narrative problem, like Henry says, and because of and despite the expense and logistical problems that setting up a test server would have, I think the benefits of doing so greatly outweigh it. Because this is your, you know, first chance to make a your only chance to make a good first impression, right? Uh, you've got to for a new batch of players that they are hopefully expecting in 2020. They should have the house in order for them when they first show up. That's not a, you know you don't want to have a Fallout 76 moment. You don't want to have an Anthem moment where everyone shows up at your door and there's a lot of broken stuff right out of the get go. That's a bad idea. Have everything ready to go. Have your big fans, your, your, your number one content creators, go through, post some of the goofy errors to YouTube. Ha ha, look at this. I clipped through the planet. Now I'm falling a million miles. Ha ha ha. Get this fixed frontier. Have all that stuff out there for the funny ha ha's before it gets released so that it gets fixed. And then the people who are just showing up to play the game can just show up and play the game. And practice on this one. Practice on the December one so that you have that procedure in place so it's less expensive in 2020 when you want to do it for real. Hopefully they listen to me on this one. They listen to me on the changing the color back on the blue thing. So hopefully they listen to me on this one too. I think it just I, – I think the benefits to it greatly outweigh the costs and they have an opportunity with this release, next this next release, to practice, get it ready for the next time. And they've done it before. They've done it lots of times before. Do they forget how? They just need they just need to do it regularly. Now they're all caught up on Space Sim News. Let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. GPR News is supported by a grant from the Foundation for the Advancement of Knowledge Entrepreneurs and by Trouble Banking and Welfare Investments, providing banking and insurance products to the ANSEAT system and beyond for over 100 years. Good evening. From Galactic Public Radio on NC, I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Recent financial scandals are taking a toll on galactic competence. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace and the Xeon system. Thanks, Spencer. With the recent scandal involving hundreds of billions of credits and falsified bills of lading, galactic financial regulators are beginning a massive regulatory audit of a number of banks, clearinghouses, and brokerages. The scandal threatens to undermine confidence in many of the markets and institutions that citizens of the bubble take for granted. A number of protests have been reported on stations throughout federal and imperial space, with the crowds expressing anger at the surprising use of obscure regulations by the Bank of Xeons. 
The bank, a bedrock institution responsible for trade and commerce on every major starport in human space, swiftly drained the bank accounts of every pilot determined to have violated trade regulations during the recent scandal. While perfectly legal under alliance law and within the bounds of the bank's contract with the Pilots' Federation, federal and imperial citizens were outraged that their legal systems were unable to provide any protection from the bank's action. However, not every institution is being so heavily scrutinized. Trouble banking and welfare investments spokesperson Dan Newbody told GPR, quote, with TBWI's emphasis on bespoke and crafted and manually executed transactions, customers can be assured that no faceless bureaucrat is going to tap a few keys and wipe out years of hard-earned wealth. No, our customers can rest safe and sound that their fortunes are safe and sound buried under hundreds of feet of rock at the bottom of a gravity well. If a government or guild wants to come get it, they're welcome to try. End quote. Has confidence in the galactic financial system hit rock bottom? Or is the safest place to store your money at the bottom of a rock? From the Zeon System for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Oh, this again. I feel your pain. Thanks, Smooth. Fresh fruits and vegetables are becoming scarce at tables around the old worlds. Families are coping with the strain so far. But analysts are concerned that as shortages go on for too long, panic will spread and lead to depletion of food stores that aren't yet, officially, in short supply. Freelance journalist Aidlin Cross reported, quote, with a fear of widespread food shortages rising, stockpiling of staple foods by markets and citizens has increased. Prices have fluctuated as opportunistic suppliers take advantage of the situation. End quote. Further complicating efforts to avoid panic is a lack of coordination between planetary governments to identify and equalize short supplies. With markets in panic mode, analysts are unable to determine what foods are actually scarce and which ones are just targets for opportunistic traders. Rockforth Corporation, whose EX7 fertilizer is being marketed as a solution to the crop failures, has not yet turned over its files to the Interstellar Association for Agriculture. With marketing director Rex Whitlock telling GPR, quote, we will fulfill their request at the earliest opportunity, end quote. Finally, in local news, health officials in the Badejo system are warning of a pending outbreak in the system. Guard Frequency Response Associate Director Richard Clemens told GPR, quote, During the latest factional clashes, a number of mercenary pilots came through the system and docked at Moran Legacy Station. Unfortunately, medical screening procedures were somewhat lackadaisical during the fighting and it appears that a contagion was missed. Predictably, it spread quickly in the station and escaped before local officials knew that there was a problem. However, we are aware of the issue now and have mobilized appropriate resources to contain further spread. End quote. As of this broadcast, GFR officials have authorized special bonuses for the delivery of medical relief supplies. Until the next turn of the world, for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night. Some say he knows just what esoteric words to say to stop a grave digger, and that he's really good at interdiction. But all he knows he's called the shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Stop in turn, inter. Okay, whatever. Interdiction. Diction, interdiction. It's good that stuff. What? Well, okay. then that should have said interdiction. I then heard I it as interdiction, it. and Tony didn't even then say I it that way. It. It's good. Uh, eh. Yeah, okay. Okay. Last week's community questions. Any of you dirty exploiters out there get whacked by the space bailiffs? What do you think of the new quantum interdiction mechanic in Star Citizen? Sarah writes, 
Considering the length scales given and involved in the mechanic, Quantum Interdiction, as currently presented, sounds like nonsense. I'm assuming that in the final game, they will keep it such that quantum travel can be manually plotted, rather than the computer always using straight lines. As Tony notes, space is big. Even if every player plots straight line flight path between destinations, the odds are low that you'll interdict anything. Think about it this way. Depending on what longitude you leave Hurston, diameter of 2,000 kilometers, the possible flight paths form a cone from Hurston to Olisar. If you let the flight computer plot a straight course, a distance of about 32 million kilometers based on quantum travel times from patch 3.5, let's say you're a pirate hanging out exactly halfway between Olisar and Hurston. Doing some basic trigonometry with only a 20 kilometer interdiction radius, you'll only cover 0.16% of the area. Let's say you set up closer to Olisar, only 10% of the total distance away, one craft only covers 4% of the area. So even being lazy and flying along a straight line path, odds are you won't get interdicted. And you don't really need to worry about being interdicted until the last minute or so of your quantum travel. Furthermore, all my calculations assume your destination to be a singular point. If we were instead flying from Hurston to another Hurston-sized object, the size of the cylinder we form, never mind the fact that people don't even have to fly straight, makes the concept of a 20-kilometer radius interdictor absurd. It also seems like a fairly boring way to be a pirate that leaves the pirate player without much agency. I think the mechanic would be f more fulfilling if it was a more active component in searching out and pursuing targets, rather than just waiting, which is what we have in Elite. I think this mechanic, despite the surface level description, is actually more about introducing PvE content. A pirate turns on their interdiction device, and at random intervals, the game spawns NPC ships that got interdicted. Basically, the inverse of the random interdiction happening to players right now. Clarifications that were issued on the Q&A I don't think clears up much. Either they need to do a better job of describing what they intend to happen magic physics wise or they need to kind of rethink the sort of the, the gameplay loop of it I think it's a tuning issue I think it's the fact that like all the math she's laying out sounds like you're not going to get interdicted a lot however until we start having players fly that trip and see how many people are getting interdicted how do they know to tune that sphere of an interdiction so it may be that we need to see how it plays because it may be a balanced thing if the universe is physically based, as they have told us it is, as CIG has told us it is. Trigonometry is trigonometry is trigonometry. Even if the planets are only one-sixth the size, and even if we cheat a little bit about velocity of light or speed or whatever it is we're doing, uh, leaving off relativistic events as we go past 0.1c, we don't have Einstein equations and Fourier transformation, whatever the hell that, that stuff is. Even if we're not going to do it 100%, they're going to have to, by a couple orders of magnitude, increase either the radius of the interdiction field or they're going to have to, by a couple orders of magnitude, decrease the size of the straw. Because she's talking about a 2,000 kilometer wide straw being possible if the, you can just like start your quantum travel from anywhere. We're going back to basically mini jump points. You have to fly to this spot in orbit of whatever planet to be able to activate your quantum travel drive. And that spot lines up with a spot at the destination. And you have one path straight through. Which is so unrealistic, I don't even want to think about it being that way. Well, realistic. They can, the magic space physics can work however they want. It doesn't play I, in my head. I can't see that being a thing. Based on the lore so far, I agree with you. It doesn't make a lot of sense, which is, again, one of the basic problems with this game. They've got so much lore out there and so much of the game yet to actually be implemented. At what point is the tail wagging the dog? Because there's so much lore about how quantum travel works right now, are they precluded from making mini jump points work the way I've just described because of everybody's expectations. Well then, okay, now we have to, interdiction's not going to work the way we've advertised it to uh, to work because that just doesn't happen that way. We're going to have to have uh, interdiction be 20,000 kilometers wide or 200,000 kilometers wide to make sure that we our net catches everybody. Oh, and that's magically going to yank people from 200,000 kilometers away to right in front of my guns because that's how interdiction fields work. If you really want to make it more realistic, pirates should be deploying devices or something that act as a net and then call them to where they've snared something. You know, because you would you would basically sure. be interdicted by some probe and then you would be down for a minute while something's recharging or while you get distance from it and then a pirate would be like, "Oh, I've got somebody at B12 and fly there." Sure. And it makes a lot more sense than saying, "Oh, I can turn on this thing and pull you in from 200,000 kilometers away." You know. But the lore doesn't support that. 
and that's the problem. Yeah, I gotcha. But what I'm what I was saying though is they'll probably tune the size of that sphere based on how many people are being interdicted. You know, they're going to see how it plays first. That's what I'm saying. Tuning is going from 20 to 30 kilometers, not from 20 to 200,000. My point is you don't really know how small that is until you see how many people are interdicted with it. Because we don't know what it's like. Yeah, we do. The math tells us. Sarah did the math. That's math. When it's you, the numbers. When you plot a point to a planet, you don't plot a point to a specific spot around a planet. I mean, you're just saying go to that planet. So everybody's going to yeah. kind of funnel in towards uh, the a funnel's spot. two thousand kilometers wide at one end, and, and getting smaller towards your other. destination, which is what you're no, no, saying. No, 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 no. no. It's it, it, if unless you have many jump points, unless you have many jump points where you have to jump in at a spot, then you can jump in anywhere in orbit of your target. And that means you have a destination of 2,000 kilometers, which is already 100 times bigger than the width of a mantis interdiction field. It's, I mean, you're already 100 times too small at the end of the straw. You're not going to catch anybody. The funnel has to be funneled down to a point, like a singular point, like she was saying. It's it, it, um, Again, they're going to have to either retcon the lore or rethink the mechanic a lot to make it work in a physical, quote, quote, physical universe. If and they in just this case, it, fine. Tony is right. Yeah, if they just want to hand wave, it's just hand wave it and say we're hand waving it. Okay, fine. It's just hand waving. But they've got to they've got to sort that out. It's the way it's got right now makes very little logical sense. The only thing they really can do is if they set up actual space lanes or some kind of enhanced quantum travel where you you freely get to travel these lanes and then they put pirates along the, these known points. That's the only way you're going to get uh, that to work. Yeah, it's something that they're going to have to. Something's going to have to give, and it probably won't be a pleasant conversation no matter what it is they choose to do. We also hear from Ken from Chicago, and he says, I bear good news and bad news, depending on your point of view. Community question number one, I have yet to play Elite Dangerous. Bad. But I've avoided its issues. Good. Community question number two, Ken Shadow Returns. Definitely good. Only to run smack into the buzzsaw of Tony being right. Eh, bad or good. Tony was right. Quantum travel is like a cylinder or straw, and quantum interdiction is a sphere that can clog up said straw to interrupt quantum travel if you're in the right spot. Ken Shadow sees quantum travel as a Star Trek warp that lets you see slower-than-light objects while in warp, but Star Citizen, except for your destination, depicts quantum travel like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek warp that isolates you from the real world, like his beloved Star Wars hyperspace. Ergo, Ken Shadow's critique, you'd see an interdictor ahead of them and simply drop out of quantum before being snagged, is unlikely. Uh, last and general feedback about ship limitation or ship specialization. Sadly, this was not a matter of perspective. You're all wrong. Tony, Ken Shadow, and, well, Jeff's words were all wrong. Had Henry been on the show and repeated it, he'd also be wrong. And if he said ship limitation was just to, to boost ship sales, then he'd been doubly wrong. Ship specialization is not a bug, an oversight, and not some last minute change. It's a strength by design from the beginning. Yes, some ships had modules you could swap out, but the rest were specialized. Even the first ship, the Aurora, had specialized variants. Some specialization included entire game mechanics. Mining needs an Orion or Prospector. Or prospector. Medical needs a Cutlass, Red, or an Apollo. Science needs an Endeavor. Fuel transport, a la the Fuel Rats, needs a Starfarer. Ship specialization demands choosing. No one ship is the be-all, end-all godship. You gotta pick your poison. This is what counters actual pay-to-win. This isn't about monetization, but core game philosophy. Yes, you can rent a ship to get a game mechanic you lack. Yes, if you buy said specialty ship, you can be more skilled at it with practice. Buying a ship doesn't mean you jack squat over renting if you don't practice with it because Star Citizen's intended to be skill-based. It's like chess. You have to know what each piece can and can't do, but you have to be skilled to know how to best use. That was well said. That was good. It's yeah. fine. I disagree with it, but I did well, <laughs> but it's well spoken. I absolutely think that the the difference is in Elite, every ship, and I'm going to go back to Elite, which you haven't played, Ken, you really should. It's a great game. But every ship can, in theory, do everything, but every ship is set up so that it that most of them will do one or possibly two things well. There are some ships that are truly jack-of-all-trades, like an anaconda. It can do everything because it's huge and has lots of internal bays and it's just it's a big endgame ship. It's like one of the top endgame, top-tier ships. Um, down lower at the end, maybe the Python. A Python's a pretty good all-around ship. So, But there's but there's few ships like that in Elite Dangerous. But there are, those do exist. But they're kind of at the top end. So I, I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but our original point was, and I think another listener's going to uh, write in about this uh, in a minute, but the way the game was originally sold was that ships are generally going to be in the more of a jack-of-all-trades, customizable. Yes and no. Uh, when I was talking about the, the Hornet and the Super Hornet, um, there were modules that you could swap out to do things, and the same way with the 
where the cutlet's black, it wouldn't do as quite as good as, say, the specialized ship, like the, the EM Hornet that, uh, you know, was specially set up to do that uh, data mining. You could uh, accomplish that, that part of a mission if that's what the way you wanted to set it up. And that was the point I was trying to make, is that there are ships that we were supposed to be getting that, that were modulated so that we could do certain functions, but it seems like that's not going to happen anymore. I don't know. I'm Well, I mean, it's going to happen, but I, I think that needs to be made maybe a little more clear. And I don't like it as a design choice, but I get it. I don't expect those modulated ships to perform like a specialized ship does. There's still the chance that I could go out and run interdictions for, say, our guard frequency group that were in the middle of a rescue and we're having some people try to disrupt. Theoretically. Yes, theoretically. Theoretically, you'll be able to do that someday. Yeah, disrupt those... Uh, nefarious individuals so that we make sure that we have the safety of all concerned. According to the Q&A, one day, maybe you'll be able to do that. 2030, maybe? Mm-hmm-ish. Wirchill writes in and said, this is an odd episode. As far as I can tell, Tony is right. I have to listen to it again to find out where he's wrong. Well, you know, sometimes, Wirchill, Tony is right. It's like, like people just can't believe it. <laughs> like tonight, Tony is right. I even stated that, Tony... Wereshill can't believe it, because he writes in again. And after he listened again, Wereshill writes in once more and says, Hi Shiv, this is feedback. Please put it on the show. Good show? I hate to say it, but hashtag Tony was right. About the straw bubble analogy. I just, I, I, you know, sometimes you just have to listen to it twice just to make sure you heard correctly. Alec Turner writes in and says, Great show, everyone. Haven't had the chance to watch that Gatsby-themed Star Citizen advert yet, but by complete coincidence, Mrs. Turner and myself were fortunate enough to be in the company of Mr. J. Gatsby and Friends last Friday at his swanky new venue in London. For anyone in London, I highly recommend this immersive interpretation of the novel. Strap on your finest bow tie or sequin dress. Enjoyed a chilled whiskey mule. Dance the Charleston. Play Spin the Bottle with Myrtle Wilson and watch as events lead to their inevitable tragic conclusion, i.e. a hangover on Saturday morning. Stay on the guard, old sport. I uh, like it. So he, so he sends a picture of a, it looks like a, a musical theater, kind of like a, a murder mystery uh, dinner theater kind of a thing that he and, and, and the missus went to. Uh, but it sounds like he went to the Star Citizen commercial. This, I mean, this like, he, he went to that. Uh, Silver Wolf writes in and says, Hashtag Tony is right. Re-quantum interdiction mechanic. Especially regarding his bubbles and straws. See, Tony? Sometimes, sometimes I Found hit gold. a new use for straws. <laughs> sometimes I hit gold. I do. I think the only real question is just how wide is that straw within the game mechanics? I think that's all of our questions. Presumably, uh, it would be relatively easy for the would-be pirate to QD partway from point A to point B, throw up an interdiction net, and drag out anything that follows. They could do this in a more targeted fashion by specifically trying to predict the jumping of ship A, jump, jump just ahead of it, set up the net, and kill it once they pulled out the target ship. Now, I'm going to take a break here and say, do I really want to go through all that? Yeah, you do. I think what is still up in the air is just reference to other ships previously being insinuated as able to do such things. The Avenger is a, uh, in particular comes to mind. The Avenger didn't come out till much later. Because presumably police military would also have similar capabilities in other vessels, unless the lore is now that such parties do have to take the Mantis or a similar specialized ship to achieve this, which would be disappointing. And for people used to how it works in ED, quite the downgrade. Regarding the comments on the changes in ship design methodology, there has certainly been a distinct change in the thought processes behind this from the original to current. The Aurora, Hornet, Cutlass, Freelancer, and Constellation were all very specifically quite versatile. Even some of the slightly later ships, such as the Retaliator, Vanguard, and Caterpillar, were billed as modular to one degree or another. As opposed to new ships like the Eclipse and Manus, which are needle-fine focus on a given role with minimal usefulness outside of this. To be clear, this isn't entirely a bad thing. Not every ship in the verse should be a jack-of-all-traits. And we totally get that. We agree. Otherwise, what's the point of having different ships? I think it's that presently there's quite a good mix of average Joe jack-of-all-trade ships 
that players can take out and do a bit of everything in without needing a massive hangar and a needlepoint focused ships that would only have in your hangar if you're 100% will use it. I think Ken Shadow is right in that the rental mechanic is a good balancing aspect to this, giving those who want it the access as needed and eventually the option to buy it outright if they decide they're going to use it often enough. Tony, at the end of the day, whales have tons of choices in what they take out, but you are honestly going to try and tell us that the whale with 50 ships is going to be as skilled in each of those 50 ships as the player with two ships they use all the time. Again, this works as a passive balancing mechanic, jack of all trades, master of none. As always, lads, great show. Now, again, and I think Tony will agree with me on this, we were not saying that the multi-use ships would be as good as a specialized ship. No. I don't think we believe that the whales with tons of ships are going to to be honestly outplaying anybody. This goes right to the pay-to-win argument that we keep having over and over again. Right. You buy a spiffy big ship that does this one thing really, really well, you can suck at that thing. The ship itself will make up for your suckiness because by design, the specialized ship is better at the interdiction or the cargo refinery or the asteroid mining or whatever it is. You buy the thing that's specialized at it. It's better at that task. You don't have to have as much skill. That's the whole argument. Do you think the specialized interdictor will get a 22 and a half kilometer range yeah. instead of 20. <laughs> no, or a lower power penalty. Or a lower recharge penalty. There, Yeah, there you go. And they did say in the Q&A that other ships would eventually have that module or ability, certain classes of, of those ships. And I so I still think that's a plan, which was good to read in the Q&A. But it still didn't get around the problem. Correct. Although, sitting here thinking of this, I now have a way to fix quantum interdiction. Yay! Tony has the answer! I have once again solved CIG's problem for them that's not entirely lore bending or breaking. And they can. And again, I'm going to say tongue-in-cheek, just program it. Just, 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 just program it. It'll be fine. Just hit the program button. It'll, it'll work out fine. No. So what it is is rather than sitting in normal space and pulling people out of quantum, you steal a little bit from Elite Dangerous's thing and a little bit from what, uh, from what uh, Silver Wolf was uh, suggesting here, and you make quantum interdiction while the you're in quantum. You just throttle your quantum drive all the way back to bare minimum. And then you sit and wait. And the longer you sit and wait in the straw, the wider your net spreads. So if you, if you, it starts off at 20 kilometers or whatever, and for every minute or second or 10 seconds or whatever it is that you sit in the straw, your net spreads out and just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading until someone gets caught in your web. And at that point, that's when you play a mini game to see if you, the interdictor, can get to where the interdictee is before your field fails or before the guy can boost out of it or something like that. Another thing they said in the Q&A that there would be mechanics to escape interdiction. Right. And so this would be a way to introduce that gameplay in a way that makes sense in the world. If you just are just ahead of somebody, you better be right on top of them and have predicted their course in quantum because your web is not going to be very wide. If you are being patient and you leave a long time ahead of time, that's a long time for your web to build up. That's a good thing, Tony, because that could play into the lore as well, because now... It's your quantum drive that's fueling the interdictor, and the lower that your power down on the quantum, the more power you put into the interdiction, and therefore... Yeah, you got fuel problems with that, and you got your heat dissipation, and how long you can stay in quantum, and all that kind of stuff. You get... What's that called again? Oh, yeah, gameplay. Right. You get a lot of gameplay. See, I I love the game I'm building. I love the game I'm building. There. There you go, CIG. You have the one for free. It's fixed. Enjoy it. Waiting to hear from you on the, on the uh, on the update. And this week's community questions. Looking forward to the next beta test server in Elite Dangerous? Are you willing to trade spoilers for stability? And how is Star Citizen going to fix their QD problems? And otherwise, how is the show? Are we being open and transparent like a PR release, or should we maybe stay off the subreddit for a little while? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show post, which you can find on our website, and look us up on Discord. And that brings us to the end of episode 278 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 279 on October 15th, 2019. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben, Multiverse Problems Sanders, and of course, our audio architects, Mikey Lennon and Bill Hardy. 
Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. This is Tony. Flight. Uh, no, no. What are we doing now? Intro. intro. Tony. Intro. <laughs> sync one. This. This is Jeff. Intro. Sync two. This is Henry. Intro. Sync three. And that's why we do the intro in three, two. And finally, we open up the feed like. Oh, I flubbed that one. Oh, not good. Per- we, not perfect. No, no, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you did because we did not have enough bloopers. I messed up at the beginning just once. That's not nearly enough. Okay. And somebody make good radio. I look it up. Click, 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 click. That's all. I can. That's <laughs> that's not good radio. That's not good radio. Yeah. Come on, come on. I mean, yeah, I've trained you guys for uh, for for years now. You can make some good radio while I type some. And you know what it is. Uh, Jeff is so good at good radio. I'm just going to sit back and let him do it. <laughs> oh, good. That, that, how's, that, how's that going? Is that, that, that doing good? That's what we call good radio. In the buck, Tony. Oh, no. You, your face is lighting up there, Tony. I... Lighting up? All right. Okay. So here, I found it. I hear it is right here. Uh, I was going to start um, uh, asking Jeff about dual boot and windows on windows. Swiftly drained the bank accounts of every pilot determined to have violated trade regulations. <laughs> Swiftly drained the bank accounts of every pilot determined to have violating to have viol- determined to have violated. They're welcome to try. End quote. I'll let that be things. Okay. Guinea quids.